Welcome to another episode of Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're also on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Robert Larson. This is our August 4th, 2011 edition of the show, 4.06 p.m. on the clock here in Irvine, California. Before we get fully underway, I have a couple of quick reminders for you. First of all, the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And if you want to give me some feedback on the show, I always appreciate that. You can email me at rglarson at org. You can also catch me on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash rglarson. If you've been a regular listener to Out the Rabbit Hole, you know that what we're about is exposing toxic contrived realities and exploring enchanted ones. We generally do that through conversations with authors, activists, thinkers, rebels, artists, filmmakers, dreamers, poets, and musicians. So it's a treat when we get a guest who pretty much does all of those things and does them well. And it's an honor when she is such an inspirational figure as Exine Cervenka. Exine is a singer and founding member of the highly influential L.A. punk band X and the uh, alt-country Americana cowpunk band The Knitters. She's also released several uh, solo albums. Her books include Adulterers, Anonymous, Just Another War, Make the Music Go Bang, and Virtual Unreality. Uh, we hope to touch on all those uh, a bit today, as well as uh, let you know about an event that Exine is hosting this Saturday in Orange. Exine Cervanka, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, and that's a nice welcome. Uh, well, it's completely uh, sincere. I, I really do uh, feel honored to have you in studio here. Well, thank and, you. Uh, it's always an honor to be at, uh, at a university radio station because uh, that is how we got the word out in the late 70s and early 80s that this kind of punk rock music and that kind of um, individual determination uh, revolution existed. You know, it was before the Internet and before cell phones and all that, so thank you. Yeah, yeah, and, and we can get into that a little bit about what that was like in those days and uh, how, how uh, you know, we were able to make things happen. But I, I first, before we do anything else, I want to... Uh, Make sure we talk about this event that's mm -hmm. going on in two days on Saturday. Uh, let's make sure we give out all the information on that. And, okay. Uh, well, let me tell you. I um, I in the town of Orange, Old Town Orange. You might know it. It's a very quaint and very nice little town. Um, there's a, a store called Moonlight Graham. It's at 401 West Chapman Avenue. It's off the Circle. If you're familiar with um, Old Town Orange. And um, there's going to be an event on Saturday at 7 p.m., a really exciting special event. And that is going to be a, a musical event. Um, Sean and Xander are going to play. So if you know the Circle Jerks and Throw Rag, or better yet, if you know Sean and Xander, <laughs> um, they're one of my favorite uh, musical entities right now. They're beautiful music, beautiful words, so talented, and uh, just really warm and, and incredibly positive, beautiful music. And um, we've been doing some, some shows there for the last few months, and they've all been really amazing people. 
And we're trying to build up something down here in Orange County that, you know, that you get at the Redwood when you go to downtown LA. You can go to the Redwood and see Phil Alvin and Frank Fairfield and the California Minstrel Boys and Petunia and all these great, great Americana acts. But we need to bring those people here, too, so everyone can experience that. Because music from the 20s, music from the 40s, music from the 50s, new music, whatever it is, all together, you know, uh, based on a kind of um, a soul music, I guess you would call it, Americana soul music. Um, and we need to have that here. Yeah, uh, we, we certainly need more of that out here in Orange County. And so this is a uh, kind of an ongoing thing you do yes. at Scenes Moonlight Hootenanny. It's my Moonlight Hootenanny, and usually I perform. Um, maybe I sing with somebody who's playing, or I do some, um, you know, ranting and raving on my soapbox, or you know, whatever, whatever, whatever I feel like doing. It's an open forum, and and it's very nice to just be able to talk out loud about what you think and have people listen and afterwards all talk about it. Oh, this is what I think and I don't agree with you, but this is what I think. And, you know, it's to get people talking and get people out, you know, doing stuff together. So it's like roots music, people just interacting, talking, yes. getting on a soapbox, uh, uh, exchanging ideas. Uh, <laughs> yes. A little bit like what was going on in that early punk rock scene, but on a kind of little, little bit more, uh, uh, the energy level is a little different type. It's, it's still intense, but a different type of energy. Well, you know, um, in the punk days, everything was unsaid. It was felt, and we knew it. And when you saw somebody, you knew that they felt like you. And when you heard them, you knew what they were talking about. It was about what you were thinking. And now there's so much information and so much conflict in people's heads about what happened in the past and what's going to happen in the future and what's happening now that they're just trying to sort through it. And it, it's static. They can't figure out a way clear. And everything's so crazy and changing right now that you need some human-to-human -human interaction. It's not enough to sit in front of the computer and, and, and watch, you know, what's going on on the news or, you know, conspiracy sites or whatever you like to go on, Facebook. You know, a lot of people go on that, and you get all this information. You spend four or five, six hours a day, but you don't know any more than when you started, and you're more confused, so get out of the house and go take a walk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can do that in the Orange Circle. It's a place for people to walk, and mm -hmm. it's almost like an old town square. So this is a Moonlight Graham is right off of the circle mm -hmm. there, and so at 7 p.m. on Saturday, and uh, Xander and uh, Sean and Xander, Sean and Xander will be performing. Uh, do you want to? Should we play a track from? Them yes, real we quick? should. I, w I do want to point out too that the train station is right next to Moonlight Graham, and um, it comes. Uh, it goes back and forth to Union Station downtown, and I, I'd like to start to try to get, um, you know, some, some back and forthness going on with the downtown people, so we'll see about that. But, um, yeah, Sean and Xander, uh, their record just came out, and it's great, and I think we're going to, Solo She Rose, I think we're going to play. Yeah, I think that's what we got queued up here, so yes, uh, Sean and Xander, let's uh, give that a whirl. The music of Sean and Xander, and you can catch those guys this Saturday night, and you want to check out Xene's Moonlight Hootenanny. That's going to be at Moonlight Graham over just off the Orange Circle, and we are very fortunate today to have Xene Cervanka in studio with us today. And yeah, Xene, welcome back here. Mm -hmm. uh, you were kind of uh, just grooving into that song there. Oh yeah, I, I I love that song. I love that record. It's great. Yeah, it's in in. I was saying to you off the air. It's it's really. Um, I I love hearing that these 
kind of punk rock people just kind of easily move from that into this more uh, traditional, really uh, earthy, kind of rootsy stuff. And um, some people think that's kind of odd, but for mm. me, punk rock was always a really raw thing. And, and do, you, do you agree with that? Well, and, and, you have to understand then the, 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 the unknown history of punk is that in 1979, Frank... P-H-R-A-N-C, the all-American Jewish lesbian folk singer, <laughs> started doing acoustic shows at the Whiskey A Go-Go with the Plugs, the Circle Jerks, and X playing acoustically in 1979. John and I were doing the, the kind of Hank Williams songbook stuff together in the early 80s. The Knitters started in 1982, which was our folk country thing. So we were all doing that the whole time. It wasn't, it wasn't even like just suddenly we got old we were i was 25 you know Mm -hmm. and i was doing it so you know it was it was an easy bridge because punk rock and folk music and country music are all the same thing you know bluegrass three chords or whatever and a fast story about topical things that you know being poor and you know being disenfranchised all that kind of stuff is the stuff of americana music and those forms are all identical really it just depends on you know, two four four four. You know, whatever. <laughs> you know, key it's in, and and if the man or woman singing it, or you know, they're all this. You know, it's the same. Yeah. So it, you guys, the, the knitters, and some of these other things you you mentioned, they were, were kind of ahead of the curve on that because I know a, a lot of older punk rockers, or you know, maybe in the last ten or fifteen years, have really gotten more into this kind of roots thing. But as you said, you were doing this back in the late seventies. You guys mm-hmm. were already seeing that and feeling that, and hearing that the way that this was really all connected well that's true you're absolutely right and um a lot of young people now are doing the same thing and making those connections and you know the um the information that we can get on the internet and all that and youtube does help uh you can go on and listen to a lot of music that is you know just a guy playing a 78 off the turntable and it's filmed and it's on youtube and you can hear a song that you would never hear there are artists who when they were alive uh you know maybe sold a thousand records or something i don't know how many records people sold in the 20s and 30s but you know what they have now forty thousand people have heard it you know and it's like someone who's been dead for 60 years and now suddenly forty thousand kids are listening to their music that's quite amazing that's the positive side of that technology yeah, yeah, and I I love that. And but it, the other thing, and I, I'd like to get your opinion on this, is that it it was uh, it was much more difficult back in those old days to to find new stuff. And there was this time lag because you know you didn't have the internet, and people uh, I remember you know trading tapes mm-hmm. in the mail. You'd send somebody a tape of a cool mixtape, and they'd send you something else, and you'd just wait a couple weeks or something for it to come in the mail, and wow, this would be so exciting. Uh, so it was, but I talked to young people about that, and they they kind of laugh, but at the same time, they're like, they're kind of intrigued by it, and, and it did seem that the people who did find the really interesting music back then, there, there, there was like, it filtered them out from just everybody else. There was something really uh, kind of intense about them. Would, would you agree with that? We were all very intense. <laughs> um, very intense. Very serious about what we were doing and what we knew. And very, very funny. Um, I think that, um, you know, everything is a, a bad and a good side or a negative, positive side. And it was a little bit harder then. What I liked about the late 70s and early 80s was it was an unbroken tradition. 
In the 1930s, if you wanted to play music around the country, you got in a vehicle and you drove from town to town. If people wanted to hear your music, they paid their few bucks and they came and saw you and heard you and they all were happy. Well, that's the same way it was in 1980. No one knew what we looked like. They hardly had even heard us. Maybe we had, you know, a single out on Danger House or the first Los Angeles when that came out. And so what you would have, you'd have 800 people just because they didn't even know what you looked like. They'd come out to see you. You know, it was like a small town carnival or something. There people, weirdo punk rock things <laughs> coming to town. Um, and that got lost after the MTV mm-hmm. uh, experience started because uh, you didn't have to go see what somebody looked like. In fact, it was better not to. It was better just to have the fantasy of who they were in the music rather than go, you know, why go and actually see the physical person when you could have the fantasy person on television to look at. So... You know, everything's a trade-off. You know, I personally, if tomorrow something happened and we had to go back to that lifestyle, I would breathe a huge sigh of relief and I would embrace it. I would be so happy because I grew up in the 50s and 60s, so I know what life was like before um, this era. And Mm -hmm. uh, we all were fine. (laughs) Yeah, we we grew up with that, so we sort of like it. We were adapting to that. We were comfortable Mm -hmm. with that. The kids now grow up with the internet, and that they're comfortable, more comfortable than we are with all that technology. And uh, so it's a yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. And uh, to we started off before the interview here. We did play. You mentioned uh, uh, the song Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. That uh, was uh, X. Was that the first single? No, the first single was We're Desperate in Adult Books. Okay, but this was on this uh, compilation. Yeah, it was on a comp, yeah. Called uh, Yes, L.A., which is a mm-hmm. wonderful compilation, and um, love that uh, that record. But So, yeah, if we could go into that a little bit more about that time period, uh, because there are a fair amount of young people who listen to this show, and, and they're intrigued by and listen to the punk music of the late 70s, early 80s, but it's almost like this this mythical time that's hard for them to understand. Could you maybe a little bit more give us a, a perspective of what that was like in, in comparison to the, the outside world there, that little subculture that was punk rock L.A.? Hmm. Well, it existed in a vacuum. There were no clubs, no radio, no record companies, no distribution, no press, no nothing. When the punk thing started for people like us, we had to fight for every magazine, every newspaper, every club to let us play, every radio station to play us. It was Rodney Bingenheimer on K-Rock, and that was it. And the college kids started playing the punk music, and that kind of helped a lot. But you, but then the press really loved a lot of it, so that helped a lot, too. And X was very popular in the press, so that helped a lot. But... Um, it was a struggle and it was a fight, but we believed in what we were doing. Whether you were in a band or with the band, no, there was no distinction between band and audience, which is why we first started going into the audience um, that later became the stage diving theatrical thing. Actually, it started accidentally, and the first time I did it, it was just because we wanted people... We, I would jump off the stage at the mask, which was about six inches high, <laughs> And, and and jump around with everybody, and then I'd jump back onto the stage, and then they'd jump onto the stage, and then I'd jump back, you know, and it was like, wow, we're, we're blurring the lines. And, and then it became this ritualized kind of thing, you know, that means nothing. But, um, you know, it was, it was a really, really amazing uh, time. I cannot describe it hardly. Uh, it, so, it was so huge and so revolutionary and so powerful. And that's why it did get shut down. And um, 
by the corporations, by the record companies, by the police, by the media eventually, you know. But, you know, it, it's it's hard because there's censorship always, you know. Um, and some this country's odd because we, we're self-censoring. That's why we don't have a military presence on our streets. You know, we don't need it. Our culture will take care of keeping us in line. All you have to do is follow the dotted line or the bouncing ball, whatever you want to call it, to the next thing you're supposed to like or buy or listen to or consume as long as everybody do, or the majority as long as you know a good percentage of the of the population does that then you can exist in a free way in these little vacuum areas where you got your little subcultures going and nobody really pays attention to goth or rockabilly or punk or because it, it doesn't really show up on the radio radar as a money-making thing and the, the little pieces of punk that did come out and got popular they swoop those up and and mass market that as a new way to make money but they basically left us alone and have all these years you know that we're not taken seriously as a as anything as a marketable commodity or a interesting you know idea nothing about the punk thing really ever got across to the american people or the world at large you know so i don't care i love the the life i've lived in that in that little freedom zone and i i i've you know, I've staked up my territory in this world, and I'm happy I did, and I'm happy where I am. And um, I, I think that we were an example more than the music. And I, I, when I say punk, I'm not talking about hardcore. I'm talking about punk rock, which is what came before kind of hardcore, mm-hmm. and it was more of a, a free-for-all of expression. Um, we just decided to be ourselves and not imitate anything we saw and create something completely new. It didn't matter if it was good or bad as long as it was new didn't matter if it was good or bad as long as nobody ever did that before. I'm going to wear this because no one ever wore it before. I don't care how stupid I look, but it's inside out and no one's done that before. So whatever, we were kids, but we knew we were doing something important that would set an example, and it has for all these years, that people can look at that time and say, you know, the only difference between what these guys did and what my generation is doing is they just said no to the the corporate takeover you know they just said we're going to be ourselves we're mm-hmm. not going to buy in and we warned people that if they did bad things would happen <laughs> yeah it, it, so there was a really you know kind of a shining moment of about it, within that scene of about i don't know two or three years before people in the punk scene started like kind of wearing like uniforms mm-hmm. where it was like you said people would do or wear anything and in this just for a couple of years you you could just walk around and just see you'd never knew exactly what you would see at a show mm-hmm. and, uh, and and when you say that even though punk rock didn't become this mass thing that got completely accepted out there little bits of it here and there filtered into the uh culture at large and that we now uh do conformity isn't as strict as it used to be that kids can feel uh, ways to express themselves a little more that they couldn't before well superficially only yeah it's okay to have pink hair now (laughs) it's okay to have piercings it's okay to be hardcore it's okay to wear a kilt it's okay to shave your head it's okay to do anything you want if it's an officially sanctioned commercial representation of the culture, mm-hmm. which those things now are. Um, and so back then, of course, you could be very much in trouble if you did any of those things. If mm-hmm. I would wear, uh, you couldn't buy straight leg pants. You only could buy flare or bell bottoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you'd have to f- 
get out, you know, you'd have to save up your money and get a pair of pants and then sew up the seam and make them straight legs. But if you walked around with straight leg jeans on, people would would harass you. And I don't know what, you know, it was uh, our joke. Everybody's got the same joke. And that is in the late 70s, if you walked down the street, Hollywood Boulevard, Sunset, wherever, and you looked at all like an individual the icky kind of men going by and stuff would scream out Devo at you. <laughs> and it was so funny because all they knew was Devo and they didn't know what we were. They didn't even know punk, what punk was. It was before punk was even a thing. I used to dress the same way as I dress now since yeah. I was 15, you know, thrift stores. But they would yell Devo and we'd be like, you don't understand. It's Clara Bow, not Devo. But, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, you know, they, yeah, they thought Devo was punk rock. Devo was cool. I liked Devo. Devo's but, a genius, amazing, a great, great, great entity. But they were something a little different than than what well, we thought of as punk well, rock. See, that's when we first got the inkling that that people didn't, the masses didn't really think like us. <laughs> that their connection abilities, their connection making facility uh, was faculty was a little different. Yeah, that, this is true. This is Out the Rabbit Hole, KUCI in Irvine. Robert Larson here. And in studio with me today is legendary singer Exine Cervenka. And we're talking a little bit about her history and a lot of her work. And uh, want to get into talking to some about some of the other things that you've done. But I do want to mention again right now the uh, show that you're hosting yes. this Saturday. Um, yeah, it's, um, I've been doing this for a couple of months now at this uh, store called Moonlight Graham. And we, we do um, performances there. They're always really good and um this saturday at 7 p.m we have sean and xander who we just played and it's at 401 west chapman just off the orange circle and um uh, there's a couple of reasons to go one is because sean and xander are amazing and their show is great i've seen them play a lot and the other thing is because it's a really cool uh venue as a as a store that's it's opening its doors to be more of than a store it wants to be a community um, that's why I give it my time, and I'm always there to do anything that needs to be done, whether it's introduce somebody, do a poem, or just say hi, thanks for coming, you know, because I want people to get out of the house and get together and start talking and thinking out loud. And so they, people will be able to hear uh, uh, Sean and Xander perform, and you will be there mm-hmm. in, uh, may, w- in what capacity might be up for grabs? You Baton might be- twirling. <laughs> I can't twirl a baton actually but um i think i'm going to do show and tell oh okay okay that sounds interesting i went to a thrift store today and i i said you know um i gotta go i gotta figure out what i'm gonna do on saturday and i don't want to do anything i've ever done there before like sing the same song again or say anything similar so i was at the thrift store and i started finding things and i realized that i was building up a little show and tell uh situation and uh, we'll see how that works out. I like Moonlight because every time I go there, I do something I've never done before, like sing a cappella or talk off the top of my head or, you know, it, it doesn't matter. You can go and do anything there. And that's that's what I hope people are expecting. Wow. Yeah. That's the, f- the freedom element. Okay. Let me, can I talk for a second? You sure can. <laughs> okay. Um, what, what we had in the 70s in the punk days that people don't have now is freedom. Okay, now we've heard about trading our freedom for protection and these kinds of things and that the government will protect us, but we just have to give up a little of our freedom. And I understand that concept because it's true in a society that you do have to have some uh, standards, safeguards, protections for the general populace. Of course you do. And um, I think that um, 
what we had then was unlimited possibilities. Now, we were persecuted somewhat by the police and things like that. And, you know, but it just didn't feel like, it felt like everything was, the the future was still the future. I don't know how else to describe it. When you're young, you, you're, you're unlimited. Your potential is unlimited. And um, it was. It, it was open-ended. And it wasn't like, oh, we were going to get rich. It was more just like, we can do anything we want as artists. And it was a great feeling to make a living as an artist. And I've done it for 35 years. I've made my living as an artist, except for working here and there at regular jobs. But I don't know if people who are young, who have never experienced that kind of freedom can relate to what I'm saying. Freedom isn't staying up all night playing a virtual reality war game where you're slicing up women and feeding them to dogs or whatever they play on those games. And freedom isn't going on the internet and reading what other people think. You know, and freedom isn't uh, a phone and an iPad and a laptop so you can go anywhere you want and still be connected to the internet and the and the phone and all that, you know. Freedom is having nothing, you know. Freedom is being free of all that stuff and it's very hard to do now and i i um i think that you know eventually people will make a choice between freedom and and not freedom i don't want to say what it might be called um but uh it's it's a mental thing when people talk about uh this kind of stuff it's it, you get all people get all freaked out and it's conspiracy and freedom and what you, you know what's going on and it's like no no it's in your brain what I'm saying is think for yourself, be yourself, think for yourself, and you'd be amazed at how entertaining it is to be an original thinker because <laughs> you can entertain yourself all the time with your own thoughts and you can talk to other people about things and you don't have to just be a um, a companion to a, a screen. Yeah, it's uh, I, yeah. I think a lot of young people are just. It, it's sort of been taken from them, it, uh, it, just because they're so bombarded with all these things that are kind of amusing themselves to mm-hmm. death, but not in a real um, uplifting or empowering kind of way. And well, there's a lot of information that is very important that's getting out on on the internet in a lot of different areas, and there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of disinformation, a lot of extra stuff, a lot of dead ends, a lot of circuitous routes, a lot of detours, a lot of surfing that goes nowhere, and and theories that mean nothing, and uh, artificially manufactured YouTube video. You know, there's all kinds of stuff on there, but you know, a savvy person can weed through it and figure mm-hmm. out what's you know what makes sense and what the consensus is and what's real and what isn't. Um, I think our sense of reality is being tested in the last um, decade or so. And a lot of people my age are questioning the absolute underlying factors of reality, whereas young people still are accepting of what they have and don't question it as much. The job of a young person, and I'm talking, you know, 15 to 25 or 30, is to create and question um, what exists and, and create something new out of what exists and fix it. During the Clinton years, when things were going well and there was a Democratic uh, president, people let up their guard, young people, because they were doing well. Everybody was making money. There was tech jobs. There was university. You could still go to school. Um, there was no deficit. There was no debt. Everybody was happy. We had Bill Clinton in the White House. And then all of a sudden, here we are. Yeah, yeah. And what happens when young people aren't paying attention is they wake up at the age of 35 and go, wait a minute, what? What just happened while I was playing that game? 
And uh, we didn't have that luxury. We didn't have games. You know, we had Asteroids came out when I was a <laughs> punk rocker. Before Asteroids and Pac-Man and, and Galaga or whatever, there was no video games to play. It was pinball. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you had to really get creative in ways to sort of amuse yourself. And so you were thinking. And um, one of the things, you talk about uh, it, there was this kind of real freedom back then. And you could get, back in the 70s, some sort of schlubby job that would actually pay you enough money that you could sort of get by but we've had to have this situation now where wages for the last 30 years at least have either stagnated or actually declined in their buying value so jobs that you used to be able to actually support yourself on can't do that anymore uh so that's a problem now and so people are more tied up in just how to survive well they don't have time or money to go out and see bands they don't have time or money to go out at 11 o'clock at night get a babysitter pay for parking get some drinks pay to get in and see a band and get up the next morning at six o'clock to get the kids to school get to work the can't mm-hmm. and that's one reason why our shows at, at moonlight are at seven on saturday because it seems easy and it's kid friendly it's all ages you know you can bring the kids a lot of kids come to these shows and we keep it family friendly even though it's very challenging some of the things that are discussed or the music that's played is 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 a wow kind of thing for kids because mm-hmm. they're not they're not expecting to see this kind of stuff they don't know it, it it exists they've never heard people talk about stuff but they like it and they come back and they're young and it's great um but, you know, I, th- I don't know. You see, um, there was a certain amount of people needed. Uh, I'm 55, so in 1956, I was born in Chicago, and my parents moved in a f- uh, about a month later to rural Illinois, which was going to be the start of the suburbs. My dad was a carpenter, and we needed, you know, Chicago was running out of work for carpenters because it had already been built, you know. And so it was the beginning of the suburbs where farmers were selling off pieces of land and people were building houses out in these little towns. So I lived in this completely rural place on a gravel road, and the only thing I could see on the horizon was the distant farm that I was a part of because our one-acre lot was on the edge of it. But it wasn't suburbs like planned housing. It was just a house here and a house there. And, um, you know, we had everything we needed, even though we were poor, because my dad worked, we had everything we needed. You know, Mm -hmm. the doctor was affordable. My mom stayed home. I went to Catholic school. It was cheap. It cost almost nothing, you know. Everything was free then, and gas was cheap, and food was cheap, and you had a garden, and life just went that way, and everything was great, and there was going to be Medicaid and Medi-Cal and Social... uh, Medicaid and Medicare and Social Security, and, you know, things were, were set to just go along. They were just cruising along, and everybody was happy, and then, of course, the president, John F. Kennedy, got assassinated, which really rocked the boat. But it was a, you know, a lone nut communist gunman, and that was our official enemy at the time, so everybody <laughs> accepted that. But by the time Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated and the 60s were full on, people started to realize that something was wrong. And it scared people so much that they pretended it wasn't happening. No. But then you had the conscience of the 60s kind of probing and probing and probing, and then it kind of leveled out again and everything was okay, and then the punk thing came along. You know, um, and at that point, people were sick of hearing that, and so we were a lot more strident about it and a lot more vehement about it than the hippie kind of peace thing, although they, you know, they were pretty militant. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, absolutely, they all were, but, um, and nobody wanted to hear it anymore. It was, it was just, it, it was, you know, I went on American Bandstand, and I know this is probably not a reference to a lot of people, but... <laughs> 
there was a show that started in the 50s, and it was um, Dick Clark's American Bandstand. They had every significant artist of rock and roll history on that show. And we went on there. He asked X to come on American Bandstand. So we went on there, and he asked me if he could ask me a question. So Dick Clark, who has been, like, for 30, 25 years on television with band, said, why is it that in the 50s, rock and roll was on the radio, and um, in the 60s, you know, um, hippie rock and roll kind of stuff was on the radio, and now it's the 70s, and there's punk rock is the new thing, and why is that not on the radio? Why is that not on TV? I'm the only person that will, you know, play you. I was so disappointed because I thought he had all the answers. You know, I was like, well, you're Dick Clark and you don't know. I'm supposed to figure it out. I'm 25 years old. I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> let alone what the whole culture is doing. But the reason was because we were upsetting the status quo, which was the, the hippies who had gotten older and gotten the power of the radio. And they didn't want to let go of Fleetwood Mac and all that stuff. They wanted to keep playing it forever. And, um, you know, it's just it was bad timing. Mm-hmm. And is it is it also just the the whole corporate structure and the way that we have these mega corporations and it's the the record industry is part of that and it's just like they they they're always looking at the next quarter's bottom line and so there's this lack of vision of something like well these people aren't going to make us money right now but in a year or two from now they they could if we're if we're willing to take a risk on something like punk rock but they they they're really risk averse is that do you think that's well an issue as you know well? i wish it was that simple but mm-hmm. that is kind of the cover story yeah mm-hmm. you know the corporation bottom line you know everything's for the good of the corporation well that used to be the case i think that you know it was simple it com- you know uh commerce you know like well if i can sell this i'll buy it if i can't i'm not going to and and so therefore i pass up this music but that isn't really what's at play now because the 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 corporations it's it's not like there is a bottom line anymore to be concerned about um we are um we are not as useful Uh, what i was talking about my dad we were placated Americans, white Americans. Of course, I'm going to leave out African Americans who, you know, because when I was growing up, it was still colored and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Native uh, First Nation people. And anybody else, the Japanese who were inter- interned, interred, sorry, put in concentration camps during uh, World War II. But here's the thing. Um, there isn't really... I'm just not sure. Reality's been manipulated so much that you kind of question why anything happens anymore and who's in control it's not so simple as a little you know capitalist system it's much bigger than that now well we can get into that a little more if <laughs> as time permits here this is out the rabbit hole KUCI in Irvine Robert Larson speaking with Exane Cervanka and we're talking about her amazing uh, musical career and uh other things and an event you have uh, coming up uh, this Saturday you are hosting at Moonlight Graham that's 7 p.m. this Saturday and that will feature the music of Sean and Xander and uh, you will be and I'll be there with show and tell okay show and tell just we, we could leave it at that and that should intrigue people well I I tell you I, I kind of make it up as I go so I can't tell you more than that that's my concept we'll see what happens okay um, I'd like to play some music from your other band the knitters right mm-hmm. now if that's cool with you uh, just because they also are a very important band and let's uh, get that going here we have I think what, what we're gonna play um, an old-timey traditional song give me my flowers while I'm living all right let's get that going in this world today, 
All right. The music of the knitters. And that was Give Me Flowers While I'm Living. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm on. There okay, you are. Okay, there I am. Um, Dave Elvin is, is in that band. He's the guitar player, and Dave Elvin is a great he, uh, folk hero, so yay. Yes, Exine Cervanka on lead vocals there, and you know, Dave Alvin, yeah. Dave Alvin is, is the greatest. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I love listening to, to Dave. Yeah, he does some great, great stuff. Great yeah. songwriter. Storyteller. A great storyteller. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he writes poetry, and he has some two really good books, but they're, they were limited, you know, small press long ago ones, and I'm happy I have them, but it'd be nice to have him do a new book. Hey, when speaking of poetry and books of poetry, you have written mm-hmm. lots of poetry, and you have a, a couple of uh, books of poetry and a couple of books of uh, prose. Do I well, yeah, right? I got yeah. It's kind of a mix. I do a mix of things. Cause I do it mostly in my own handwriting. But I um I have done this new experiment. It's like you know when you write a song, you got a guitar, mm-hmm. and then you sing a song, guitar and an amp and a microphone maybe. And when you write, you got a book and a pen and paper, and maybe you read it out loud. What about just getting rid of all that stuff and just talk off the top of your head, sing off the top of your head? I'm tired of books. I'm tired of paper. I'm tired of pens. I'm tired of guitars. I'm tired of microphones. I'm tired of all of it. I've been doing it a long time, and I think if you do that, you don't need anything from anybody. You just walk into town, start singing or talking, and you can go from place to place like that, and you're not, you know, you're not conspicuous. You're just a talker, you know, and I think that's that's great, you know? And is, is, is that just about... Um you know, making a connection, in, engaging in real it's, communication. It's, it's the same thing as walking off the stage into the audience at the mask. It's it's getting rid of all the artifice and and boundary-making devices, and even if it is a guitar. And I'm not saying I don't love, love, love acoustic guitar or electric guitar. I do. But I'm saying right now, I think immediate, uh, immediate um, communication that isn't open to as much interpretation and, and, you know, entertainment quality. It's like, look, I'm not going to sugarcoat this by even playing the chords. I'm just going to sing you this person's words, and you will listen to those words. Wow. I like that attitude. And the um, and before we go any further, Exine, uh, let's uh, make sure we talk about some other things going on. And I, I do want to talk about your solo albums, but uh, isn't, isn't there's an X tour coming up? Oh, they, yeah, we're we're going to be playing some shows in September and October on the mi- in the Midwest and East Coast, and then in November we're going on tour with Pearl Jam down to Central America, South America, and Mexico. Oh, wow, that sounds really cool. It sounds extremely cool, and, um, you know, I don't, you know, people think touring is a vacation, but it's not, <laughs> you know, it's not. Like, no. you might be sitting in a car for seven hours and then arrive at the destination, play your show, and, you know, go back to your hotel room and sit on the bed and look out the window. You don't know what, what you're going to... Or you may have the best time in your life, you know. I love it when I go places because I always like to meet the people who live there and, and find out about their place, you know, and what life is like in other places. Mm-hmm. In, in your website, um, it's what's your web address for Exine? ExineSurvenka.net. Okay, E-X-E-N-E-C-E-R-V-E-N-K-A. If you type an E-X-E-N-E onto the Google, you'll, it'll go right to my site. You okay. don't have to type the whole thing in. And so that's got your tour dates uh, coming up with X. It's got all the information, all mm-hmm. your books, your your poetry, uh, your albums, your uh, with X, the knitters. The, and it's, uh, it's also got my little, um, I don't know if you call it a blog. I, I write these little missives, you know, and I... and um, Usually very late at night or early in the morning, I write these little um, ideas that I have or thoughts that I have. 
and I don't censor myself too much. I mean, you have to a little, but, um, you know, I'll say like, well, you know, maybe if the aliens come, we'll be okay, and if they don't, maybe we're not going to be okay. What do you think? And, you know, things like that, because I don't think anything should be unsaid now. There are aliens. There are UFOs. There are thousands of videos of mass sightings of all kinds of things, and they can't all be secret Lockheed Martin uh, military vehicles, not every one. And so, you know, I think, I, I think it's funny because if I sat across, if I said to you, well, I've, I'm an abductee, let's say, and you would say, oh, you're crazy. But if you said to me, I've been molested, and I looked at you and said, yeah, you're crazy, you haven't been molested, you would be very outraged that I would deny you the validity of your experience and say it didn't no. happen. No. But yet, if something happens that isn't officially sanctioned as an actual reality event, you know, you're a crazy person. And that's a marginalization of all kinds of people to say that things don't happen to you, you know. And I think that, for instance, you know, what are, what is the motive of... of, of what is the motive of anything? You know, why anything? And that's, you know, that's the question people have to ask more than they are. Yeah, you mentioned the whole uh, UFO extraterrestrial thing, and I just noticed your tattoo when you came in the studio, and you've got, it looks like a... It's a mothership and some smaller ships uh, floating around and some little stars and whatnot, and uh, yes. I, I like, yeah, it's it's a very... Uh, aesthetically in, intriguing uh, tattoos i you don't see a lot like it's that. my interstellar passport let's just say okay. you know it's like uh, i haven't been shipped yet but i do have the markings of a potential friend of the aliens i'm hoping <laughs> you know they'll recognize it <gasps> oh no wait we're gonna let not bite her head off um we're gonna let her go well, we we could do a whole show on that. We we've talked about things like that here on Out the Rabbit Hole, but yeah, <laughs> we, I'm sure you have. But you know, yeah, well, that's when we go down the rabbit hole. But uh, yeah, we don't have a whole lot of time left here, so I do want to make sure we talk a little bit about your your solo career, and uh -huh. you, you've done several solo albums. Yeah. And um, wh what um, was it that you were able to do there, or that you wanted to do there, that you couldn't do with X, and maybe with the Knitters? Uh, what? Well, you know, uh, I think when you're in a band, that there's one thing that you kind of want sometimes, and that's the total control. Because it's not an ego thing. Um, maybe you got a song and you really want to see it realized just, uh, oh, this way. No question about it. This is how this song is going to be played, sung, and recorded. If you're in a band, somebody might go, no, 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 that you can't play that that fast or that slow or you got to do this, you got to do that, and the producer. So you produce it yourself, you make it yourself, you tell everybody what to do, and you're happy with it. Mm -hmm. And so, you, so you were able to to express yourself in ways that wasn't always you couldn't exactly do in in a band. So we're seeing, in a certain sense, a uh, a real, really pure, <coughs> pure essence of of Xene. Well, yes, and you know, as a female woman, I have to remember that I am um, representing other women that are woefully underrepresented in the entertainment business and in the arts in general. And I, I don't care how politically correct you are in the arts. You go to an art opening at a museum, and it's going to be 10 to 1 men to women. Mm -hmm. You know, you go see a show, I'm the only woman going to be there. You know, and it's, it's, I still don't get it. I still don't get it where they are. I don't know where they are. I see women running around on those spiky platform lucite prostitute shoes and little <laughs> mini skirts and a tube top with a tiny little purse, you know, and they're running down the sidewalk to get to the next bar, and there's a, a gaggle of them, you know, and it's like, you shouldn't, women, this is the, what I say all the time, women, don't wear shoes you cannot run in. 
<laughs> Someday you will thank me. Uh, yeah, there are situations where uh, you know running will save your life. And uh, well, they figured out another way to save their lives, and that's by you know using sexual you know power over men, which is I'm sorry easy to do. Boy, that's the path of least resistance. <laughs> but you know I I've always stood against that uh, that that idea that you know women are sex objects because you know sex is fine and all that. Who cares? It's no big deal. But Boy, when you use it as a weapon and as currency, I think, you know, it leads to all kinds of convoluted thinking and, and it doesn't help anybody. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is Out the Rabbit Hole, KUCI in Irvine. Robert Larson here uh, speaking with Exine Cervanka. And we're just about out of time, Exine. I can't believe that. It, it went by really, really fast. <laughs> okay, well, I want to thank you again for what you do. And I think it's You're equally welcome. as important as, as what the rest of us are doing. And, um, you come by anytime to Moonlight, I and will. all y'all come to Moonlight anytime, and um, and uh, I'd, you know, good luck with your show. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing is great. Well, thank you very much. It's really been an honor to have you, and we are going to play uh, a track off of you, uh, your solo album here. Right, this is Somewhere Gone. This is my pre- previous one. The last one I did was called The Excitement of Maybe, but this one came out in 2009, and it's the song, it's a traditional called The Willow Tree. Okay, and we'll get to that in just a minute. I, I want to make sure we do, amen- we do mention again, uh, this Saturday, That's 7 right. p.m., Moonlight Graham, uh, right off of the orange circle there in orange. And Sean and uh, Xander, Xander will be And, performing. you know, I didn't say how much it is, but I, I, I think it might be like 10 bucks or something. But don't quote me. Um, you know, it's it's not a lot of money. It's yeah, not, you can you just know, go there and have a good time yeah, and you won't, it's not you a won't lot be of out a lot. But, uh, yeah, and so that is going on on Saturday, X-Scenes, <laughs> Moonlight uh, Hootenanny. And you're doing this... Uh, periodically once a month i do it every month at least once a month okay and so that'll be coming up again next month as well and uh let's see anything else you want to leave us with before we uh... um yes in all things love okay that's a good uh, good uh, thing to leave us with. And uh, I will remind you all, the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And uh, Matt Kaplan will be up in just about uh, three or four minutes to present you with Counterspin and Planetary Radio, which you will like. And if you want to give me some feedback on the show, I always appreciate that. You can email me at r g larson at kuci.org robert larson here out the rabbit hole saying um i'll be talking to you next week exine Cervanka, thanks again for being with us bye and this is uh uh the title of this song again is the willow tree